This is the Women with Vision podcast, where we get real with some of the leading entrepreneurial superwomen about what it takes to build a business online and beyond with kids, husbands, and everything else. Hey there, superwomen. I'm so excited to have my next guest. She is the president and chief people officer of People Bright Consulting. Her company provides business and HR strategic consulting, specializing in leadership and manager coaching and training. And I'm excited to talk to her today because she has such a unique way to look at uh, HR. Whenever I think of HR, my experience with HR, it's been different in a lot of different situations in my life, my business, my job. Um, But she really takes HR to a different level. She goes into companies and she really helps them to have solutions. She is amazing. I love her whole concept around it. Miss Hilda Gann, how are you? I am good. Hi, Tam. Yes, I'm excited. You know, I know you had a background. Uh, You started in nursing. You went into IT engineering. You have some HR experience. My goodness, how did you, first of all, think about going into this kind of business, into consulting um, and HR consulting? Well, it started with, well, it started with my husband said, I'm thinking of starting a company. And it was an engineering company called iTrans Consulting. And I had a nursing background, but I also was an educator. I had that opportunity to bring on computerization into our hospital setting, so I'm kind of dating myself. Mm -hmm. But through those experiences, we became a a powerful couple to create Mm -hmm. this engineering business. And what I brought to the table was that ability to, my passion for education, my ability to to manage, because I was I had been a director and a manager, and I really loved the management side of stuff. So he started his business. I kind of supported him, and when we got to twenty five, I finally went full time. I said, "We have all, you know, we have a business now that's viable. Let's put it all into one basket." Because by that point, I had left the hospital setting, mm-hmm. and I was actually being a healthcare consultant. Wow. And I said, I'm at a point in my company now where I have to go and do the cold calls and I have to do the marketing. So why don't we put it all in one basket? And we wanted to create a place where people loved what they were doing and they loved to come to work. That was our premise. And we were able to actually make that happen. We ended up having, we grew from the two people. I like to say we grew where I I started two weeks later because somebody had to pay him. Right, <laughs> I, right. I had to do payroll, right? And we grew it to 125 people, seven offices across Canada. Wow. And we became one of the best workplaces in Canada, top 10, twice. So wow. top 10. That was an amazing. And these are engineers, right? They're not necessarily known for their people skills, but we created this special place. We hired the right people. They became ambassadors. We sold the business after 12 years, 13 years, mm-hmm. and I stayed on for a bit. But then I thought, hmm, what do I want to do? I dabbled in a few things. And eventually I sort of said, I can continue to work for this one company and be good and then move on to another company and be HR. But I want to reach other people. Of all the things that I wore, my, my CEO hat, you know, I, I helped with 
not CEO, COO hat. Mm -hmm. I helped with expansion. Uh -huh. I helped with the legal aspects, the finance, the IT, the HR. Those were under me in, in terms of support growth. And of all of those things that one does in terms of operations management, the HR appealed to me the most. Wow. And so when you said you're not like most HR people, when I actually worked um, in a company where I was the director of HR, people would say, you know, when you called me to your office, I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I was so afraid because you usually only go in to be fired or told you're not doing a good job. And, and then after like a few months, she said, Hilda, when you called me, I would so look forward to seeing you because, you know, I just so I never had that idea. I, I guess people's mentality is that you're either a cheerleader, you know, at the Christmas parties or holiday parties or whatever, or you terminate people. Right. But there's a lot more to HR than that. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create a place where people enjoy work. And if I can help more business owners find that, then I will be doing more. My, 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 my whole reason for being, I feel, is to help others create a place where they will find happiness and, and build their businesses. And in turn, they make their staff enjoy what they do. You know, what's interesting. That is not common, Hilda. Like seriously, yeah, like, like, <laughs> it I, should be. It took me a while to realize I'm not common. So thank you for pointing that out at the beginning. <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing because, you know, like you do, when you think about HR, you're scared when you get that yeah. call to go into the office, yeah. but to actually love what you do and that's and that being your goal, love what you do and love who you're doing it for and love your job. Um, that's not typically something, but you, you obviously have figured out how to do it. That must come from something because you obviously went into nursing being a, a caregiver, yeah. right? And someone who really wants to take care of people. Um, but that's, that has to come from something in your childhood that, uh, that informed that kind of need or importance for that. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And, and actually, I didn't discover that reason till recently like it, it was always there but but um i was i always thought okay my husband and i have these values right and and they jive together and we created this and we got it validated from the staff and the way they felt about our company and then this best workplaces in canada which is actually a survey based uh um, assessment. It's not how fancy you your your slick promo pieces are to get the designation. It's the difference in comparing how the management feel and how the staff feel. And when the perception is close, like it's a we mentality versus a they, when that gap in the findings are similar, those are the best workplaces in Canada. Wow. And we were number four. We actually were number four the second year. It was wow. it was just we were number nine the year we turned 10. Uh, we had a milestone year. We were, you know, best workplaces in Canada. We were number one in our volleyball league, and we were number one in the finals of our softball league. You know, how how competitive am I, right? <laughs> but how good does that get? Really, it was. We were on a high. So somebody asked me the other day, "Well, Hilda, you just didn't kind of think that you would do this." And I I remember as a manager, I wanted to be fair and kind to people. I wanted them to feel connected and 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 really uplifted. And so the person said, what, where did that come from? And suddenly I, I thought back and it came to me. I'm a seven year old or an eight year old. 
and you know Ch- Chinatown was the place to go on weekends my, my aunt had a store down there and mm-hmm. so we would go for dim sum and at this restaurant there was this woman who was the business owner and she was the hostess I but she went around or I would go to the bathroom and I would talk to her mm-hmm. she made me feel so important Tam she would ask me how I did and yet it's always how people feel it's not necessarily the words it's the feeling so she talked to me as if I was an equal she talked to me uh, as if I was important and she had a smile and she cared about me and this woman was more than just the owner of this restaurant she actually became the unofficial spokesperson for Chinatown Wow! and because she was born in Canada, she spoke, you know, Chinese. Uh, she spoke English with with no accent and spoke mm-hmm. it well. So she became that unofficial spokesperson in Chinatown and ended up with the Order of Canada. So wow. her name was Jean Lum, and I and I still fondly, fondly remember Jean Lum. She became a role model for me as a woman who, you know, represented Chinatown as wow. a woman who, who you know, could speak up for things. And yet she made me feel important. And when we sold our company and I started People Bright, I thought about how do I articulate to people what our, why we were successful, you know, without having this 20-minute conversation about how we did. And I came up with this acronym. And so this acronym really reflects how I felt as a child and how we, re- we developed our business. And it's called RevUp. So I want people to rev up their potential. I just can hardly wait to tell people, you have the power to rev up your own potential. And rev up is not just a, is an energizing word. Rev up stands for a set of principles and values that I feel help people connect with themselves. And in turn, as leaders, we can make other people feel empowered and uplifted. So rev up stands for respect, Mm-hmm. equality, valued, uniqueness, and potential. So imagine how people you will feel and how you can help others if you treat yourself and others with respect. Look at them as equals. Value them and yourself for who you are. Then look at your uniqueness. We all have mm-hmm. a uniqueness. And take that uniqueness and tap into that potential. Imagine what you can do. And so, so I remember Jean Lum and now I connect the fact that I created this rev up concept because of that experience and how somebody made me feel so revved up. Yeah. You know what's amazing how people, they, you have no idea how much of a lasting impression you're going to make on someone, you know, just from, you know, your experience as a young girl, it completely shifted your whole outlook about life. And how much we have a control over doing that with other people as well. But I know it couldn't have been easy, like always in your life, because you, you've been married for a long time. You've had a business, you know, you married been- for a long time is the easy part. <laughs> it's the easy part. <laughs> right. I understand that. <laughs> and I'm sticking to that story. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but what are some of the challenges or obstacles that you've faced along the way? I, I am who I am today because of a significant milestone. Oh, my father passed away when I was 10 years old. Mm, my goodness. 
And that's, that's a big burden. I, I remember happy childhood. I did ballet. I did highland dancing, you know, and, and I saw my cousins every weekend. But my, my father died of a heart attack when I was 10 years old. And it, it really changed our lives because all of a sudden my mother was a widow with three children, 12, 10, and 6. And there was, there was, there was expectations and, and maybe not expectations from her, but expectations of me as a child. I grew, I grew up in a time where Cinderella, Snow White, and Pollyanna, yeah. you know, if something happened, you, you live a terrible life right. <laughs> because your, your, your parents, you know, you, you, got, you got terrible, wicked stepmothers or stepfathers or whatever. So I thought, I only got one parent left. What happens if anything happens to her? And I remember the night um, my father passed away, and she, I heard her... Um, tell my grandmother and my and my grandmother sh shouted it upstairs because we lived above our, our our we owned a grocery store and we lived above that and I remember my mother saying she didn't want to live so mm -hmm. you can imagine the burden that has yes. on a 10 year old so my brother and I really tried to protect her because she was the only asset I had left when you have yeah so so I grew up where I didn't want to lose my mother. As a result, I followed her wherever she wanted to go. I didn't well, follow her. I went with her. Yeah. But in doing so, in, in following her and being there, I had to learn how to be organized. You know, I was an A student. So you have to make sure you do all the things you need to do. Mm -hmm. Then I would be, pro, you know, airlifted into a place. I don't know the people. Right. You know, I, I could be ending up the afternoon with these, you know, five-year-olds that I'm playing with or a teenager or whatever. So I found myself um, learning to connect with people early because I was always exposed to new faces and some old faces, but it taught me flexibility. It taught me how to be organized. And I, I guess I've always been that giver. Um, I'm a middle child and I gave her, I started working at the age of 14. I worked in a grocery store. I gave her half my salary, not much in those days. I had to, I had to cut it off at some point because I wasn't going to give it to her when I graduated. <laughs> I couldn't afford to give it to her. So these are all the things that made me who I was. And I can remember I was in grade five um, when my father passed away and we had a split class, five, six. In those days, you could jump a grade, but my year, for some reason, they weren't going to jump a grade. And because I was in this five, six class, my mother went to the principal and said, could my daughter go to school and go into grade six and graduate? So there I was in the middle of the year learning everything the grade sixes learned, and I still managed to get an 84%. So wow. I have been one of those people that have been struggling. Now, she planted that seed in my brain. She said, I want her to finish early so she can get out and help the family by working. So I remember I wanted to be a nurse. She wanted me to get out fast. And I thought, I am getting a degree. I am not going to be waiting. I'm not going to get a two-year uh, diploma and then start nursing. I'm getting that degree. So I made life as easy as I could for her. I made sure I saved enough money to pay for my own uh, clothes, my tuition, my books and everything. I tried not to be a burden to her. Right. I, I, I use that word, but that's the word that was there. Yeah. So a 10 year old had to grow up really fast. Um, to me, a lot of, a lot of success, 
what I am today is based on that. The person that I is the people person, the person that's organized, the person that's always trying to strive to make things better and easier. So, oh my yeah. goodness, I love that story. Thank you so much for that. I didn't um, expect the tears because that's long past me. But you know, every time, every once in a while, those raw emotions just kind of tug, tug at the heartstring for sure. For yeah, sure. of course, of course. What, but what inspires you now? Because you are a woman with so much energy and life. And, and I've had you in many of my circles and our meet and greets. And you're just a, a ball of energy and seems like you're never ending of an inspire inspiration. So what, what really turns you on now? Well, that concept I told you about earlier, rev up, that I feel that has the power to make a difference in people's lives. So I'm on a mission to help as many people as I can to understand that simple set of words. You know, it's not your seven easy steps to whatever, and you have to memorize what they are. It's the word. It's rev up. It's energizing. It is. It stands for something. The first three values, respect, equality, and value, those are just, those are honest, good feeling values that anybody can and should embrace. Imagine what we can do if we treat each other with respect. And I used to think respect how I want to be treated. But nowadays with the Me Too movement and, and with, you know, Black Lives Matter, we need to understand what each other has and respect how they want to be respected, that definition. And equality to me is looking at people as equals. And, and equal doesn't mean equal, equal. Equal means I value you and what you do as much as I value anybody else. That is treating people with equality. When we were, when we were um, uh, iTrans Consulting, that's what we did. We said that no person's job in this organization is any less important than somebody else's. If I'm the person that is creating a proposal and I collate it so that some of them, the exhibits are upside down, do you think we're going to win the proposal? If I, as the vice president, am putting in a bid and I forget to factor it by three, three times and I only do it by two, is that going to... We might win the proposal, but we'll lose money. Right. So each one of us has a role to play, and we need to look at that as, as equality. And then valuing people. That woman, Jean La, made me feel valued. And if we can just do little things like that. I used to, um, we call them Christmas cards, but holiday cards. I used to do that for all of our staff. When it got to be 125 people, I would start back in October, but during the year, I would think about what did so-and-so do? And sometimes I'd have to have little cheat notes, mm -hmm. but when I wrote that Christmas card or holiday card, that was 15 minutes of time thinking about that person, about what they did. And then in May, I would see these, these cards stuck up on their bulletin boards. I said, why do you still have that card on your bulletin board? And they say, when I look up at it, it makes me feel good. I said, okay, okay, sorry, I, 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 I understand. So it's how we make people feel. feel. And then 
you know, the success we had is really looking at the uniqueness of people. Nowadays, we, we talk about performance evaluation and we say, oh, you're good at this, but you're not good at, at customer service. Let's send you off to a course on improving your effective communication skills. Is that the right thing for a person who is an analytical and, and, and just can handle so many different things? No, we should look at that person's potential as let's find things that can maximize your analytical, something that you're passionate about, that you love to do. So let's do that instead. And then tapping into that potential. As the business owner, as the manager, you have the power to guide that person's career and to give them those opportunities that will uplift them. Um, when I was creating the RevUp process, I thought, okay, so this is easy. People can remember this a lot better than the five easy steps to, you know, being a good um, um, a people manager. But I thought, well, how do I explain uniqueness? You know, like, mm. you don't always know how a person's unique. And I thought, well, I need to come up with a more um, valid way of doing it. So I, I've done assessments all my life. Some of them are really funny, like, you know, what kind of tree would you be if you were a tree or what kind of animal? Right, exactly. But then there's the more serious ones, like the Myers-Briggs, like the DISC, Strength Finders. And I came across this one called Fascination Advantage. And I thought, of all the tools that I ever had, the Fascination Advantage is the one that resonates with me. That's the one that I can help people understand how they are unique. What I love about it, it, it's, it's, uh, it was developed by Sally, Sally Hogshead, and she's an international motivational speaker. It started off, she was a marketer, and she created this, rev, uh, this fascination advantage tool to help marketers be better at marketing because we speak languages like some people are out-of-the-box thinkers some people are people people and some people are analytical so I won't go into detail but the point I loved about it was it looks at how people see you not how you see the world how you pattern the world but it's how people see you and when you speak your languages of confidence what I'll call your superpower languages then you look confident you act confident you are confident and when you do that, then you then people will trust you and believe in you, and you can sell people, create relationships. So it has such such powers that way. What I love is it. It five minutes later, you get a sixteen page report that's written in English that you can understand, mm -hmm. and it's written positively. It doesn't use your strengths and weaknesses. Your weaknesses are your dormant languages, the ones you don't use that often that are like quicksand. So when you talk them, they, they tire you out and drain you. So that's a positive way to talk about that. And and so I thought that's the tool that I will use. When I do my people manager training, I'm going to help you understand the five principles of RevUp. I'm going to help you understand uniqueness and then wrap that around communication because that's the key piece and help you uplift and motivate others through your uniqueness through your communication and i end my training program by dealing with difficult conversations people avoid conversations i don't know how many times i've done these sessions where i say how many of you lose sleep or avoid talking about a problem you have to deal with you know and and like 80 percent of the room acknowledges that Statistically, there was a study done that said you actually, it costs 
a company $7,500 US dollars when people avoid making conversations. $7,500. Can you wow, imagine? That's a lot. So, so having a training program that helps you not feel uncomfortable about that, owning your own space and being better is really something I want to share. So I want to inspire people to adopt a rev up approach. I want people to make their leadership one that empowers others and uplifts. My my word for this year is uplift. I want to help people uplift. As managers, as leaders, we have the power to uplift people. And what happens is, as a manager, you 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 should see as your responsibility the ability to uplift somebody's skills and uplift their confidence. So it's like two ladders. And when you uplift somebody's skills by giving them new skills or you know, giving them praise for skills they're doing, that gives them a bit more confidence. And then when they have a bit more confidence, they can take on more skills. You erode those, you erode somebody's confidence, and they can't even do the skills that they were good at before. And it can be spiraling up. But I want people to help people move up the ladder in those it's so good, you know, and I love this whole concept of, of rev up and how you're using it and how you're teaching it. I, and you already asked the, you already answered the question I was going to ask you is how do you implement rev up into your business? How do you, uh, how do you test for things like that in your business? But I want to talk about the very first one, which is recognize. Okay. The rev, the R of the, the respect, the respect, right? Yeah. yeah. So respecting people, what would you say would be some key things that people could do to just, first of all, if they were just starting with that very first R, they can do in the workplace to respect each other? Thank you for asking that. <laughs> I, it's a loaded question. It's to a me. loaded question, I know. <laughs> the first thing I would say is develop a relationship with people. As a manager, you, I mean, you, you could talk to that person every day or you could talk to them just once a week. But when you talk to them, find a connection, create a relationship. Because when you create a relationship, you create that trust. Right. And when people trust each other, they are willing to give you the benefit of a doubt. If I said something to you and you were my worst enemy, I would think you're out to get me, right? Right, you're of course. Out to get me. But if I was a friend of yours, you would trust that what I said was something that was of value. And I can give you an example. When we were, um, when we were, everybody knows t 2008, 2009, the Lehman Brothers, Brothers. It came to Canada a little bit later, but we found ourselves in a situation where we might have to close our St. Catherine's office. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I went out to the St. Catherine's office and we announced to our staff the, the situation. We, we were in a situation where we might have to close this office. We don't have to at this point, but we wanted people to understand and, and know about that. And then each one of us took one or two of the staff. Um, we split up and we did, we talked to them. One of the people that I spoke with was, um, he was, um, he had two twins, 10 month old twins at home. His wife was not working. And I remember talking to him and saying, um, this is the situation, you know, I know your family situation. 
And then at the end, I said to him, so what would you like me to do? Would you, how would you like me to stay connected with you? When do you need me to tell you when I know what we're doing? And you know what he said to me? He said, Hilda, I trust you. I know you know me well enough to tell me when I need to know. And so that wasn't just built overnight. That was learning about him, his family, phoning him, congratulating him on his twins. So I made those connections. So number one is use your opportunities to create a relationship. It doesn't have to be chummy chummy. It needs to be professional, but you need to show that you care. And then the second thing is listen. Too often we are quick to think things or say things and we don't know about what that person is thinking or saying. And sometimes it's hard for managers, but I always say, and this is a tip for the difficult conversations, is when you have a difficult conversation, don't make assumptions. You know, go in with information and present it in a neutral, a neutral way and an open way that shows that you have not made up a, your mind yet. So once you've asked that, then listen. So it's the power of creating relationships. When we create relationships, we show respect. We make people feel valued. And again, it's how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. Yeah, I love this. Oh my gosh, Hilda, this is so good. You know, there's so many people that are starting businesses, building businesses, and wanting to make sure that they can keep good capital. I remember I went, took a class in, in college called, right, Human Capital, right, yes. Human, which is very, very important. I remember I took a class called Human Capitalism. I thought it was going to be a boring, easy class that, you know, whatever. But it ended up being one of the most important classes. And once you start realizing how important human capital is and treating people with respect and the things you're talking about rev, rev up, it's so important. So as you're, as you're speaking, I know there's going to be some people who are going to want to talk to you, going to want to connect with you, want to you know find out how you work and how you can help them. So how can they find you on uh, social media? So I am on LinkedIn, and I went to one of these classes where he said, Hilda, like people in this audience, if you learn anything, go in and try to just type your name. And if nobody else has it, then it's yours. Instead of being, you know, so and so, and you got all these numbers. So it's LinkedIn at you know LinkedIn Hilda Gant, and I'm the I'm the Hilda Gant. The Hilda Gant. I yeah. love it. And then um, then I'm also on Twitter and uh, Instagram. So it's people 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 bright. So it's P P L E R T. I think it is something uh-huh. like that. People bright. But uh, LinkedIn is is the where most professionals are so that's where I put most of my energies in the LinkedIn yeah I love it well definitely love connecting with you love doing so many things with you love that we're gonna be doing this project together and uh, especially thank you for coming today and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon thank you Tim.